but he gave her an apology. Um, he says, I wish I would have taken the time to get to know you more. And when the judge asked him also, why did you do it? He said he thought it would be funny, um, that it would get lots of likes and hearts. And the, the goal was to go viral. Power to the parents. Welcome. I am Eileen Ariasa, your host. And today I'm here with two incredible moms, Tracy and LaQuanta. Um, and we're going to talk today about um, social media and online safety and keeping kids safe online, which is so hard. I have two, I have a tween and a teenager, and this is a daily struggle for me. Um, and I know you all have some really powerful, interesting painful, heartbreaking <laughs> stories to share about your experience with your kids um, on social media. So, but first let's just get to know each other a little bit. Um, Tracy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your kids, where you are at, all that. Alrighty, my name is Tracy Kemp and we live in Portales, New Mexico. Um, we recently relocated here uh, from Texas and we're a family five. So my partner, Seth, and then we have three kids Brady, Jay, and Amaya. Um, so we're fortunate to have one in every school. So we have a high schooler, a, a middle schooler, and elementary school. Uh, we also have three dogs and a fish. So <laughs> very, very full household over here. Yeah, full house. <laughs> one in every school. Um, will they be ever be in school together? Yes. So next year, we'll have a seventh and an eighth grader. And then the following year, we'll have a ninth and a twelfth grader. So wow. at some point, the middle one gets to be in school with both of them at the same time. So he, he's the lucky one. <laughs> nice. Um, and LaQuanta, tell me about yourself. Yeah, um, I am LaQuanta Bivens Hernandez. Um, we live in South Texas, which is, um, I guess, McAllen, Texas, deep South Texas. Um, if you've ever heard of South Padre Island, we're very near there. Um, been married for about 20 years. I have two wonderful kids. I have a son named Abraham. He is a freshman in college and my beautiful daughter Jasmine, the light of my life, but she makes me pull my hair out and she is a sophomore <laughs> and I'm an educator. So I, I love kids. Kids have my heart. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, okay. So we are here today to talk about social media and kids and the first question I wanted to ask you guys um, is, when did you let your kids get phones? And what led to that decision? For me, just, I have a 13-year-old and, no, a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, and they both have phones now. And I just felt so much pressure, they so much pressure from them, from their peers, from society to get them a phone. Um, it also made my life so much easier because now my husband and I can go out. We don't have a landline. So we can go mm -hmm. out on a date or run an errand or whatever, and then we can call them and know where the, like that they're fine at home. Or when they go out with her friends, it's so much easier to call them than to call the mom to get her to tell the kid that I'm ready to pick them up or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's also had a lot of pitfalls, <laughs> a lot. So I'm curious about what went into the decision that you all made about getting your kids phones and when you chose to, to do that. Um, I know for me, um, my daughter got her phone when she was a sixth grader, when she started sixth grade, because 
when she's in elementary school and here elementary school is through fifth grade. So she went to after school daycare and things like that. But now in sixth grade, she's getting involved in sports. I don't have an after school daycare. So for me as a parent, it was more of a safety issue. Uh, and she just had the phone where we knew, you know, where she was, who she was with. If she was, you know, after school, she was going across the street to the fruit stand with her friends. I knew where she was and she knew to call mom and let me know. So it was a safety issue um, at that point. She didn't get any any type of, you know, social media like, you know, that's, what is it? I think the first one she got was um, she got a Snapchat when she was in seventh grade. And that's, you know, with yep. permission and everything. So that's how she ended up with the phone. Yep. Brady also got a phone in sixth grade, um, and it was kind of similar, uh, you know, transitioning into that middle school, having a little more responsibility for us. Um, I, that's when I worked nights, and Seth was on days still. So it, we had about a 45-minute time gap between when I left the house and when he came, and we, we didn't have a landline. So it just was easier to just give him a phone. Uh, we actually made him wait until... Um, he was in eighth grade to get social media um, just because we wanted to, to minimize that impact on him. Um, and as you guys will find out later, that does not matter without your child having social media. Um, but yes, uh, about I would say about sixth grade. I mean, the other yeah. two probably sooner than we wanted to, but that was just because Big Brother had a phone. So exactly. we had to make it clear, right? <laughs> Big Brother gets it. The little ones are just, they mm -hmm. just take advantage. And they're like, well, me too. Um, yeah. Okay, so... I I want to talk about social media. There's a stat from the Department of Health and Human Services that says that one out of three teens say they're addicted to social media. Um, and I see this too, same. We got our kids phones. We didn't let them get on social media right away. But it was a struggle, especially with my, my, my little one isn't on social media, but my 14-year-old, he's just like, mom, this is the way that we communicate now. Nobody asks for your phone number. They ask for your snap. And then he says to, to me, um, my study group is on Snapchat, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is just a strategy. Um, but um, tell me about when, when you let your kids on social media and how you came to that decision. And you were saying, Tracy, that it didn't even matter, but I, let's talk about this first and then you can sort of tell me about, okay, okay. how did it come to you? <laughs> uh, so eighth grade, um, Brady was kind of like, you know, mom, I really want Snapchat. All my friends have Snapchat. Um, I think my age is showing, but Snapchat came out when I was like in college. Um, and uh, I think he was used for a different thing than it may be used for now. Um, but now, you know, he tells me that's all they, they don't text anymore. All of the group chats, all of the calling and FaceTime, everything is done via Snapchat. And as a parent, I think it's because whatever you say gets deleted immediately. Um, for him, he says that's his generation's go-to. Um, I guess Facebook is a bit outdated for them. So Snapchat was the first one he had. Um, and then I would say probably this past summer, he's the sophomore now. He, he got an Instagram as well. And he's always pretty much had a TikTok since, since probably like seventh, eighth grade as well. Uh, for us, we just decided that we trusted him um, and we wanted to build that that level of, you know, not being hovering parents all the time, sheltering him all the time, but just kind of give him a little bit of freedom and allow him to experience that with his friends. We were talking about social media and when did you let your daughter get on social media? Right, um, so social media, that happened in seventh grade. She ended up with a Snapchat. Um, back then it was, 
where the students were starting to be at home for COVID. And so that was their way of communicating. And then it turned into TikTok where the students were doing, that's where the TikTok dance, when the craze came and they were all, you know, sharing their dances from home. So it was Snapchat and TikTok as a seventh grader. And then eighth grade, she ended up uh, getting the Instagram. And basically we initially had no issue, no troubles out of it. Um, if you think back when we were younger, and I know I stayed on the phone for hours with my friends, but now with social media, now you have pictures and you have different uh, things kind of getting the student, the students, the children to kind of look at it more and more. So if you look, you know, us always on the phone with our friends for hours is when we were young, now it's enhanced. So that's yeah. where. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So <clears throat> we all have these kids. They are on their phones all day. We're trying to keep them safe. We're, we've made some good decisions about, you know, waiting to let them get social media. We're paying, we're I, like, my kids open these accounts that are like under my supervision, right? Like I, op like I was there with them when they opened them. I saw what they were doing. I was able to see what they were looking at. I'm sure you all had similar experiences. And yet the two of you know each other and became friends because of some very, very awful things that happened to your kids on social media. So tell us a little bit about um, how you two met and um, what the circumstances around you becoming this amazing, this now amazing, you know, power couple of moms, like fighting the good fight. Um, well, Latanya reached out to me. So I was going to let her tell a story. <laughs> but um, I, <laughs> I had, um, we were, we relocated, we're originally from Michigan and we relocated to Lubbock, Texas. And during that time, um, my son was being cyberbullied uh, because he was black, I guess is the, the best way to say it. Um, and it is, was something that I've never experienced before or knew how to deal with. So for me, it was like, um, I'm going to try to do the, the official way of doing things. Cause I feel like, uh, when it comes to my, my child, I kind of maybe go mama bear like zero to hundred real quick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was, when my, my um, needs weren't being met, I decided to use the power of social media and, and the regular media to talk about what was going on and what we were experiencing. So, you know, local news stations, Facebook, and a lot of things. And I think during that time, Lakana was also going through it and she searched right. similar things in Texas and that brought her to me. And I'll never forget the day I was at work and I got a message from someone and I was reading it, and as I was reading it, I started to almost cry because it was like, oh my gosh, finally, there's someone who's hearing, understanding, and knowing what I'm going through. And I was like, call me now. Like, I sent her my number. I had never met with her before this. And we just got on the phone and just really talked and, like, had this really great connection of like we're going through it and we're not alone um yeah. and we're we decided from that moment on we were going to be in this together and support each other and support our cause until we till we see it through and even beyond that well i know when this all happened um i didn't i didn't know what to do i i live in south texas which is predominantly hispanic so i'm like who else has gone through this 
I had never even heard of this happening. So I just felt alone. Um, so what I did is I actually went online and I started looking for, you know, racial cyberbullying or anybody else in Texas who had gone through this. And somehow I came upon maybe an article or something that, that Tracy was in I, and I saw her picture and I saw her name. So I started looking up the name on Facebook and I'm like, she's going to think I'm this crazy woman, but <laughs> I reached talking. out to her and she responded and we were able to connect. And so that's, that's how everything went from there. And um, I feel like it, it, it was a blessing because, okay, it was someone else I could relate to someone who's gone through what I've gone through, very similar story. And she's here in Texas. So that's, that's how it all started. You found a news article or something because Tracy had been vocal about what had happened and that's how you, you found out about her. And I think um, it's very important to be vocal because, you know, had she been quiet, had I been able to find her, you know, that that's one of the most important things. When these things happen, don't just sit back and take it, be vocal. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So speaking of being vocal, I, I imagine that you've, you've talked about this a lot and it's, it, it might be a hard story to tell, but I'd love as much as you're comfortable sharing for you to sort of tell me what, what happened, what happened with your, with your kids and, and online bullying. So you want to um, go first, Tracy, or? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I like I always go first, that's fine. Um, so my friend Brady um, was in seventh, eighth grade, excuse me, um, when he was bullied both in school and cyber bullied. The cyber bullying was probably the most impactful because at that time he did not have social media. Um, originally we were getting ready for school and someone had sent him a screenshot of an Instagram page. Um, the Instagram page said monkeys of Laura Bush middle school. Uh, that's where he went. And the, um, you know, header underneath it said, send pictures of monkeys. Um, and someone had just screenshotted it and he was in the, you know, one of the first couple rows that you could be seen. And he just turned around and was like, mom, look at, they put me on this page. I don't even know who did it. And my first thought was like, what? Like, why is this even a thing? Um, so we, you know, immediately, um, reported it multiple times. Um, I got my community involved, you know, my family Anybody that would listen, I was like, hey, if you guys look up this page, please report it, report it, report it. Um, because it was really disturbing that that page was even able to go up, something like that. Right. Um, and then following was that was a, a Snapchat with a very similar name, Monkeys of Laura Bush Middle School. Um, and that one was more of a harassment. That was, um, we don't want you here, um, you know. You N words are not good for nothing, you know, just a lot of very hateful. They told my son, um, you know, you probably don't have a dad, you know, you don't know who your dad is, and he left. Just a lot of stereotypical things um, that people say about the black community um, was imposed on my 14 year old. Um, and it was really surprising, I would say, that, you know, kids that young have that type of mentality and mindset. Um, more surprising that um, there wasn't a lot of help from Snapchat or Instagram to find out who it was, why it was put up, or any feedback from them on, on getting it taken down. Okay, just hearing that makes me want to 
like get up from my chair and break stuff. Like it makes me <laughs> so angry and yes. upset. Yes. And so yeah. how did you, how did you manage to stay like to not go to not end up in jail <laughs> because you like, um, if we're being honest, <laughs> I'm just calling how it is. The only reason why I'm not in jail is because of Seth. He is the calm. I am the storm. And he yeah. had to talk me down because I definitely was ready to, to, I don't think I can say this on the podcast, but fight people, kids <laughs> um, <laughs> or their parents. You know, I looked up par- their parents on Facebook of, of some of his bullies and like, Hey, if you if your kid doesn't cut out, I'll I want to come over and beat your butt. But you know, <laughs> I <laughs> I have to remember I have a lot to lose, and I also wanted to show my kids that you know you have to stand up for yourself and you have to trust the process, and and that's exactly what we did. We didn't just you know take it to a school authority. Uh, my you know we Laquan and I we were on the capital of the United States Congress. We were on the capital of Texas fighting for this um and that's where it took me because it was either that or like y'all said I was gonna be in the jail because it was it is just ridiculous because you would not even expect an adult to act like this or say things like this so to hear coming from kids middle school kids was just flooring because where are you getting these ideas or the audacity or even the you know the bravery to just come and call people you know black people monkeys um and the the part that was a little bit more disturbing to me is all of these pictures that were put on this page were not um, willfully taken. These were like pictures that they snuck and took of these kids. So my son's picture is like of him like this, you know, because he was standing up in the process of standing up when he was doing it. And it just kind of was just honestly just, just shocking. But yes, definitely a lot of anger there. A lot of anger there. Yeah. Um, Laquanta, I want you to tell me about your um your experience um as well my experience a little bit different um jasmine's now a sophomore it happened when she was in eighth grade so um back in i believe it was september of 2021 um she she had i believe they had a picture she had posted a picture of her and her friends because she's very involved in volleyball um well someone had taken her picture taken a, a a picture of her face and they had made another account, a tick, an anonymous TikTok account. And it basically, um, you know, it was captioned, you know, the name of her school, eighth grade boys. And it, it said the only black B-I-T-C-H in school. And so she immediately, she was like, you know, what the heck? You know, she showed me, showed her dad. I was really, really bothered because she hadn't received any like, any, any type of racial treatment while at school. So this was just online. So um, we let the school know, um, we, you know, calm Jasmine down, let the school know. But it was just very concerning because it took several days for it to be taken down. And, you know, <coughs> Jasmine was shocked. She was confused. She was hurt. Um, and again, this was through TikTok. So again, it, it took a couple of days. They took it down. You fast forward two months now. Uh, now it's November and now we have another um, account, but now it's another fake account. And this one is through Instagram. And this is much more just just ugly, much more disgusting because now the title is the initials of her, mid- of her middle school and the N-word. 
um, just really horrible racist uh, comments and pictures um, directed towards her. So, for example, it was um, a picture of her face superimposed on Emmett Till's body being hung from a tree. Um, there were pictures of her face cropped onto someone um, burning on a cross with the KKK behind her. Um, you know, with the hooded KKK, there was another picture of her um, her face superimposed on someone in a coffin, KKK behind them, uh, flag burning. Um, another picture of her face superimposed on someone picking cotton in a cotton field. So, and these are just, just some of the pictures. It, it was tons. Um, and then there was comments like filthy monkey burning, uh, why do y'all have to be black man? Y'all are so filthy. We're on your SH, you know, just horrible, horrible things uh, said about her. And she was just, you know, she was devastated. I was devastated. Um, she ended up just, you know, having to go to counseling. She would not sleep in her bed, you know, just tons of just, I guess, so many feelings. Because remember, this is an eighth grade young lady who's using social media the correct correct way. Um, and her having to go to counseling and her, you know, the first few days, she wouldn't even sleep in her own bed. We had the FBI reach out to us saying, do you want us to, you know, be outside of your house? Because at that time, we didn't know that these were kids doing that. We just knew that something was happening directed our, at our daughter. And once something got in social media land, you cannot get that back. So it was, yeah. it was very, very hard. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that because that's, that's the thing. Once something is on social media, they, they take screenshots of it. They post it again. They, right. they share it. They it's, it's so, it just, it's like a snowball effect. And so oh. I want to hear, I'm assuming that one of the first things you all did was report this to the platforms and what was your experience trying to get that stuff taken down. Um, how how did that all work for you all? I know for us initially, we we again with the TikTok that took several days, but they eventually took it down. Um, same thing with Instagram; they took several days to take it down. But I guess for us initially, it's like how did that even get through? We reported it to the school as well. Um, I just feel like there should have been something where they, it couldn't even have gotten as far because again, those, those pictures have been liked and shared by classmates. So yes, right. they got taken down eventually, but just to be there, you don't know how days, long they were yeah. up mm -hmm. for, right? Right. Like you've eventually you got wind of them, but they had been, yeah. and it sounds like it was a bunch of pictures. So right. Over and what I find interesting is Jasmine had the, I guess there was a, where you can, if you're under 13 or you're 13 or something, those pictures don't go through. So she didn't even know a lot of that was there. Other people showed her because she was using social media the right way. Oh, okay. Cause she had sort of the parental control. So some of her peers who didn't showed yes. pictures. That's how we really found so that's out. That's how about. she found out because some about kid. the more ugly pictures. You know, it was just some stuff she was able to see, but the more graphic ones she wasn't able to see because of the parental controls. So so the platform knew that it was too graphic for a 13 year old to see, but still kept it on. <laughs> and that is my point. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because they know. Like that's the thing. That's the point. They know the stuff that's graphic, the stuff that's messed up. Like I, I, I know in, in our work, I was at, um, 
at a conference once and someone said, you know, the minute you post a video with a, a copywritten song, they find it and they take it down right away, yeah. right? They're able to do that. So they, if they wanted to, they could do the same for these types of things. Right. Um, and they just, yeah. So uh, I don't think, Tracy? What was I don't think they care. Trying? Um, I, I don't think they care, honestly. I think that it's everything's good until we receive numerous complaints about it. Um, and even then, it's still a lot of things slide through. Um, for me, the Snapchat was deleted um, once we went to the school about it the second time. So the first time um, it was reported and nothing happened with it. Uh, we were told, you know, the chat's delete, so there's nothing to it. And I'm assuming whatever uh, student um, created it heard that, you know, the school was investigating and they deleted it. But as far as Instagram is concerned, um, that took me almost two days to get down. And that was me, like, every five minutes getting on this page and reporting it, telling, you know, all of the other parents whose children was on the page, you know, you guys reported and anybody who would listen, go report it. Um, and then I think eventually it must have gotten enough r reports that they were like, let's temporarily take it down. Um, and then it was removed. But it was just the excessiveness of having to report it that many times right. for to, to get someone's attention. You would think, hey, if someone reported a post, okay, maybe one. But you're getting a lot of accumulated over this time. I'm assuming the, the school also tried to because we let them know about it as well. But um, they did not have any urgency um about it at all and that's pretty unfortunate especially when you're in situations like these where kids are being bullied or their likeness pictures are being posted without their consent um you want you want that taken down immediately um even right. though you know like you said it's been up for who knows how long um right. there were kids who liked it there was comments on these pictures um no telling you know someone screenshot it sent it to my child because he didn't have instagram so that screenshot's out there somewhere and um, that just leads you down a rabbit hole because there are other pages similar to this on these platforms. Um, there are other pages that I found that were like um, emos or this person is this or, you know, um, body shaming young women. And they're all on there. They're all under, you know, his old middle schools, you know, LBS, LBMS blank, whatever they wanted to call it. And I feel like in today's technology, um, they should know that these, and when they see these little pages, just automatically delete them because you know that they're being made to be hurtful. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about the kids who did this. Did you find out who it was? Did you have a chance to confront them? How did that all sort of shake out? No. Um, we have not um i think personally um in my situation was a little different than laquanda's um my child was bullied both in person and online and i do believe that the person who bullied him in school is the person who created that um those accounts uh just because some of the things that they would say to him in person transferred over into those online accounts but we never were uh the last time I checked with our lawyers, they were said that it was turned over to the FBI. And once it's in the hands of the FBI, it's, it's out of local jurisdiction. So unfortunately, we, we did not find out who, who did it. How about you, Zaponza? And I know in our case, in I mean, I've 
this is me, my personal feeling. I feel like because my husband's law enforcement, we got a little bit quicker action. Um, so when this happened, um, my husband was at work. He, um, you know, he went to the police station, filed, you know, a report. So we were quickly able to, you know, get involved with as far as getting the IP address. So we had to wait a little while, but they went and got the IP address. So they were able to track where it was coming from in our case. Um, long story short, we found out that it was not an adult, but it was three boys from her school that she did not know. They did not know her. Um, two of the boys were making the pictures uh, and sending it to the poster, which is the main person. Um, so he took the rap for all three of them because he was the one posting it online because apparently there's nothing wrong with, you know, making those pictures or doing anything like that. What got him in trouble was because he posted it on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the other boys, I think they got, you know, alternative school or something like that. But the main boy that took the rap because he was posting them, because he was putting those comments, um, you know, he ended up in, in juvenile, maybe a day or two, nothing major. We pushed um, and made sure that we filed charges. We had um, we had a, a letter, like a cease and desist letter drawn up. We got an attorney, everything. Um, and we had, we found those addresses of the three boys and we had them served with those, those papers that where they could not contact my daughter they could don't they couldn't look at her they couldn't do anything because uh, when my daughter finally was able to go back to school after about three weeks my concern was they're going to be at her school yeah. um they said yeah. well she can go to a different school and I'm like no she she can't go to a different school I had to take this to the school board that's a whole nother issue but I had to take it to the school board because no this is her school make them leave so they right. eventually the other boys were eventually made to leave and go to other accommodations were made for them to go to other schools yeah. Um, I know that you said one of the boys had the opportunity to talk about why he chose to do this. And I thought it was really interesting what he said. Can you can you share? Yes. Again, this happened in 2021. Um, we didn't get a court date until in January of 2023. And during that court date, um, we the judge asked my daughter, like, what do you want? And she says, I want an apology. And so that young man, he, I've never seen someone shake so much in my life, but he gave her an apology. Um, He says, I wish I would have taken the time to get to know you more. And when the judge asked him also, why did you do it? He said he thought it would be funny, um, that it would get lots of likes and hearts. And the, the goal was to go viral. And that just, it was like a slap in the face because you're doing all this for social media and not worried about the person on the other end of this. So it it was it was heartbreaking. I think my mouth just drops because I'm like, where have we come in a society where that's okay? That that's cheered on. That's what we what we want. All the likes and to go to go viral, and we're hurting someone in the process. I mean, and honestly, just one of the things my daughter says, she's like, I would like a psychological for him too because why would why would anybody even do something like that to yeah. another human being? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it goes back to the stat that I referenced earlier, right? One out of three teens is addicted to social media. And it is so, like, it gives you this rush to get these likes and these hearts. Not, like, and, and you go to these extremes to, to get that. And you forget that there are people on the other side of the screen who you are hurting. I mean, it sounds like your daughter was 
was emotionally and psychologically and her mental health suffered from this. Um, how is she doing now? She's doing better. I continue to monitor. And, and, and you say it was my daughter, but I feel like the whole family suffered from this. Cause yes, Absolutely. we have to see her going through this, but at the same time, me as a mom, I'm trying to like hold it together in front of her dad and then big brother ready to fight somebody. And I'm trying to keep uh, them calm. So they were like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> feel the storm. you know, um, but it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And she had to go to a licensed school professional counselor. And one of the things he said to us after meeting with her, he's like, if she did not have the faith that she had, she could be another, you know, um, suicide statistic. And I mean, that that's what broke me. Cause I'm yeah. like, wow. And a lot of the, the, moms that Tracy and I work with, a lot of their children have committed suicide. And so, you know, by the grace of God, she didn't, but that's, that's why I fight. I fight for all of these kids, not just, you know, because of the racial cyberbullying, but all the other situations as well. But I do want something done about the racial cyberbullying too, because we can't just, you know, we can't just mix that in with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned fighting. I want to hear about, because you all like, had these issues, you got your kids straightened out, you've, you've, you've figured out how to take care, but then you didn't stop there, right? You continued to try to make a difference for all kids. Um, so I want to hear about what that's looked like for, for both of you. You partnered together on this effort, right? Yeah. Um, I would say we got involved with parents together after this, um, and we really loved to, well, I would we really wanted to help with um, the Bill Cosa, the Kids Online Safety Act. And for me personally, um, as a parent, you know, I'm involved, but something like this is not something I've ever thought to think about, you know, lobby for a bill or, you know, pay attention to what bills are trying to be passed to help our children. Um, And I think that was a really good takeaway from this. Um, And we were able to partner with some other great moms to go and lobby for COSA. And I will say that going to Washington, D.C. changed my life. Um, I, I did not come back the same person. And, and I, I'll tell you why. It's because um, hearing other parents talk about how social media has affected their family, um, it brings me to tears. And it's it's just emotional talking about it now because, you know, Laquan and I are so blessed that our children are still here with us. And some of those moms, they lost their children. And those are some of the most strongest women I've ever met um, to have to get up and speak and talk about how social media has ultimately participated in, in their child's death. And that was all I needed to help motivate me even more because... I'm not just fighting for my child. I'm fighting for every child. I'm fighting for all of those babies that did not make it and the ones that are struggling. And I feel like whatever I can do to bring awareness, light, put it on someone's radar that this is happening, hopefully we can help save some lives and the lives that we did lose were not in vain. And and for me, I'm going to keep fighting until we get it passed, until we can uh, uh, minimize, hopefully eliminate how social media is killing our children because that's ultimately what's going on there. Um, and then on a state level, Lokanta and I, um, we helped write a bill um, that went to the, the state office, but I'll, I'll let her talk about some more of that. 
Well, you know a little bit more about the bill than I do, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give my two cents on it um, in just a moment, just to kind of backtrack a little bit. When all this did happen, um, for me, it was three things. It was like, I need to go after the school because of the way it was handled. Um, I wanted to go after the the boys or who at the time I didn't know who did it, but I wanted to go after who did it. And then I wanted some laws put in place because like I said, the way I found Tracy was because I'm looking and there's nothing, there's no laws, there's no, you know, anything out there. So what can I do to bring attention to this? Um, so this can change. So again, you know, with the school, we, I, I did some things with the school to make sure that they're going, they're following protocols now that they were not following before. Um, again, with the boys, I did what I could. We went to court with one boy and he did. He ended up with probation until he's 18. And then with the laws, and I knew the laws was going to take a bit longer uh, of a fight. Um, so Tracy and I, we have gone to Washington several times just to spread awareness and to, to push for COSA. And just for me, just to get, get the word out there, this, this is not just hearsay these are moms that, that this actually happened to. It's not, you know, we're, these are, these are not cartoon characters of our kids we're holding up. These are real children. We're real moms and we're real tired of it. You know, real that's tired. basically what it, what it was about. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and then I know Tracy reached out to me um, with the friend of hers, uh, Paige. And that, what, what Paige is, a, she's with what? She's a lawyer with IDRA. Um, and they're out of Texas, and I don't know all of the details, but I do know that Paige was significant in helping bring all of this full circle with helping write the bill and helping connect us with the right um, people in the Texas Congress. Um, we actually met with the Black Caucus before we went in to testify for our bill um, in Austin, which was really awesome. And we, we felt like we had a, a lot of support. Um, and our bill was basically more about identity-based bullying um, online. So it, it, it kind of helped schools determine, like, if a child is bullied, whether it's online or in person, by their race, gender, sex, their orientation, religious reasons, that that needs to be looked at more closely. That needs to be more documented. Um, and the reason being is because when we brush everything into just one, it's just bullying, we don't see the the significant effects of how it affects children with identity based, and that's protected anywhere else. Um, and that's a lot of what we took for our our bill is to protect everyone's identity, no matter what you identify as or, or whatever you do. Being bullied about that, we're you know, is not acceptable in the state of Texas, and this is what's going to happen if you are. And it also gave the schools a lot of tools to use um, when they encounter something like that, because as she said. It's not something that schools know what to do. Um, there was no, there is no law about it. There's no process about what goes on, and we really wanted to establish that for future children coming in, um, and to you know help schools because it is something that that's going on. I mean, and and they don't really have a, a way to look at it or a way a way to go. Absolutely. And then I know we when we went to Austin, I know Jasmine went out, and I didn't. I gave her the option if she wanted to, because I wasn't sure. Like every day is, you know, one day at a time with Jasmine, just how she is emotionally, mentally. But she was like, no, mom, I'm go this is wrong. I'm going to go speak about it. So her and my son both, uh, they went and my my daughters, you know, I was like, I was so proud because I'm like, after going through all of that, you turned, you took your pain and you turned it to purpose. And it was her and some other, another young lady that I recall. Um, and they were just telling just what happened to them and, and how they felt and, 
just to be brave enough and strong enough to go to the state capitol and say, this is this is real. This is happening. You know, I feel like it was it was eye opening um, just looking at the faces of some of the people there that she was talking to. So they they got they got a true picture of what's happening and that something needs to be done. And unfortunately, um, it did not go through. But I feel like the us taking the step and putting it out there and talking about it, that's a Absolutely. step forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so important to talk about this. Um, I do will just say that for myself, even though I've never experienced something as serious as what you all have experienced with racial bullying on social media, I feel a lot of guilt and shame about my kids spending time on social media, right? Like, because they spend so much time on it, because sometimes I think it affects their grades. I'm like, oh, I'm doing such a bad job as a parent by not like being better at limiting their use of social media or getting, I got them a phone too early or I need to be more on top of things. But like, I don't know, hearing your story and like your kid wasn't even on social media and they still got bullied because because of the of the environment social media creates it just helps me feel like, okay, this is not really my fault. It's the, it's the social media platform's fault. Right. And so I just, I'd love to hear what you would say to parents who are feeling like this shame, this guilt, all this stuff that like we get put on ourselves because we think we're doing something wrong by, by letting our kids use these platforms. When honestly, even if we didn't let them use them, they would still, they could still be affected by them because they're broken. I think it's important as parents, and I feel like we are doing the right thing, still have those conversations. Yes, it's social media's fault, but as parents, we still need to have those conversations with our children. What's right? What's wrong? You know, if you see another student, or I keep saying student, but if you see another child uh, being bullied or something like that, report it or speak out against it. Be an upstander. Don't be a bystander. Right. Um, don't just, don't be the person that's liking it or condoning it. Be the person that says, hey, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, the parents, we need to, again, push with our kids make sure that they know right from wrong, but the social media companies do need to be held accountable. It's not, oh, we'll just keep your, your child off, off social media It's your fault. You know, that's not the case because it is how the kids communicate. No one, tell me somebody who has a landline, like really nobody has that's that. Right. And the kids communicate through their cell phones. That's just, it just is what it is. But now when we have all these, again, algorithms, you know, looking to see what the kids like or dislike, the, what is it, the For You page, all that different stuff, that's a bit much. Like, there has to be a duty of care. There, it, it's a reach, and it that's where the addictive uh, behaviors come from, and social media companies know that. So they, 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 take, they need to take full responsibility. I would say to parents, take a deep breath, um, because it's a lot. Um, to keep up with new, um, you know, apps, you know, as time evolves, so do the apps, we don't know everything. Um, they don't make the parental controls all that easy uh, to find and to, you know, a how-to guide. So, and a lot of parents, you know, are not tech-friendly or, or don't know how to. <laughs> and so I understand how that makes it a little bit more um, harder for them. And I do agree. Uh, a lot of it starts at home with educating your kids on how to use social media properly and how to behave um, toward, towards their peers. But also we need some regulations. Um, social media is a product. And with any product, especially products marketed, geared 
uh, towards children or minors, there's always some type of regulation. Um, Look how a car seat has evolved from when we, kids did not have car seats <laughs> and exactly. to you can't leave a hospital without a car seat. And as social media and the internet um, and technology progresses, we also need to progress our laws and, and hold people accountable. Duty of care is really important. Um, and knowing what we know about social media, there's been multiple whistleblowers. There's been multiple people, um, doctors, pediatricians, children you know teens in their 20s i've heard speak about research they've done with you know the the progression of the internet and social media and the progression of you know um depression in children under the ages of 18 and how that you know is kind of parallel to each other we, we have to take a second and just reevaluate to me honestly and, and put some things into place to protect kids this isn't a, a case of you know, you're just letting your kids do whatever you want on the internet. This is a case of, we know that a product is bad and it's harming our kids and our youth, but we're not gonna do anything about it because, you know, business reasons or money reasons. We have to take that aside and, and kind of kind of pour back into, but what is the moral thing to do? What is the right thing to do? And I don't wanna go on too much, but we have seen this happen in other countries. Um, mm -hmm. So we know that it's possible and right. we have to put away our capitalism mindset and kind of focus on our youth because if we don't, you know, our future is going to not be as bright because we will have so many young adults that are suffering from, you know, depression and anxiety and body image issues um, from that. And, we, you know, we have to protect them. And that's our job as parents, as a society, as a government, we, we have to protect our youth. And I think putting something into place like this will help that. It, it will help, um, you know, minimize the damage that social media is causing, but ultimately heal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I believe, and, and you're proof of it, that the best way to tell that story is from parents, right? And you're, the, oh, the yeah. thing you said earlier was like, we are real moms holding up real pictures of our real kids. These are not caricatures. This is not something we're making up. Like parents and the love that we have for our kids and the way that we will show, like the mama bear in us that will show up and show out to protect them, I think is the most powerful weapon that we have against these companies. And I am so grateful for both of you for speaking out and using your superpower to stand up and protect your kids and all kids. Thank you both so much. This has been an incredible conversation. I am so grateful for the work that you're doing and um, keep on keeping on. We will get these bills passed. I'm sure of it. The more parents speak up, the more we unite around this issue, we will succeed in making um, the platform safer for our kids. It's so important. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having us.